Good morning. Uh, today's New Testament reading comes out of the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. It's on, it starts on page 1262 in your pew Bible. While you turn there, uh, I want to let you know, I don't know who knows, who doesn't know, but uh, I have accepted a position in San Angelo to be the area director of Young Life in San Angelo. So this is actually the last chance that I get to preach before I move, Dina and I move to San Angelo. And in recognition of that, Howard said, Orlando, you can preach as long as you'd like. <laughs> he said, everyone leaves at 12 o'clock, but you can preach as long as you'd like. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 18 says this. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among them whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know well, and you well know all the service he rendered to me at Ephesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, we give you thanks. And we ask that today your scriptures would speak to our hearts and transform our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I will be honest. Uh, whatever church that I choose in San Angelo will have some big shoes to fill. Because I love First Pres here in Amarillo. It has been, I've often said it, it's been a place of healing for me as an individual. I believe it's been a place of healing also for my family individually. It's been a place of healing and grace and affirmation for us, not just individually as individuals, but corporately as a family. Some of my best friends and some of the best relationships I have come because of my connection with First Presbyterian Church, and for that, I'm grateful. One of those amazing friendships I have started here at First Pres. He is now the pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Uh, you may know him. He preached here every once in a while. You may know Will Essler. Will Essler is one of my dearest friends. My wife and I count he and Anna as some of the closest friends that we have. We actually enjoy spending time with Will and Anna when we can arrange it. Sometimes it's hard with our schedules, but we enjoy that time that we have together. Uh, Will and I served at KAA camp together. Both of us were here on staff at First Pres together. As a matter of fact, for a while, his office was just down the hall from mine, and I enjoyed that because I had a sounding board to bounce off sermon ideas, and every once in a while, a banjo worship, uh, a worship session would break out uh, in our little office suite, and I absolutely enjoyed those moments. 
I was actually sitting here in the chancel when Will presided over his very first communion here at First Presbyterian Church. Uh, the one and only infant baptism that I have ever done was done with Miss Ayla here at First Presbyterian Church. Um, my earliest memory of Will Esler is going to men's retreat. We roomed together at men's retreat in New Mexico. And one morning, I woke up about 6 because breakfast was going to be at 7. I showered and got ready, and Will was not even stirring at 6.30. And I thought, I don't want him to miss breakfast. So I promptly woke him up at 6.30, and then he proceeded to remind me that I had not changed the time on my clock and alarm to account for the hour difference, and that it was actually only 5.30 in the morning. He never let me live that one down. We have laughed together more times than I can count, and we've cried together more times than I care to admit. I've given Will permission to speak truth into my life, and Will has given me permission to speak truth in his. I am thankful that Will Esler is in my life. He is a flesh and blood extension of God's mercy to me. My guess is that you have people in your life who are flesh and blood extensions of God's mercy to you. There are people whose presence in your life is a blessing. I bet you right now you wouldn't have to try very hard to think of a few names. I can think of a few other names in my life of people who I count as flesh and blood extensions of God's mercy to me. I can think of people like Murray Gossett and Danny Byers and David Segovia. Why do those names stand out in my mind? Why does the name that you came up in your mind, why does it stand out? It stands out because mercy makes a difference. The first time I preached this sermon, I preached it at Westminster, and Will reached out to me about preaching it. He shared, I said, okay, I said, yes. I said, yes, I'll preach. And then he's like, great, here's the passage you'll preach on. And he shared this particular passage to me. And my response was that, to that was, are you being serious, Will? And Will said, I am absolutely being serious and I thought to myself next time instead of saying yes and then asking the scripture passage I'm going to have to learn to ask the scripture passage and then say yes he said no I'm being absolutely serious Orlando this is the this is we're going through the book of first Timothy and these are the scripture verses for today he says if it helps any the heading in my bible is mercy for the merciful. And it was at that point that the passage began to resonate with me. The main theme of this passage is mercy. I want to make sure that we are all operating from a shared biblical understanding of what mercy is. Mercy is connected with the idea of being in a position to punish, but acting with kindness and compassion instead. It is being the offended and choosing forgiveness instead of revenge. It is being in a position of authority and treating your subordinates with kindness, compassion, and respect. Mercy is the idea of being a parent and talking with your child instead of demanding 
my way or the highway. In my opinion, mercy is underrated. We don't assign it the value that it deserves. But make no mistake, mercy is at the very heart of God. Hosea reminds us, as we heard in the Old Testament passage, that what God desires is mercy even more than our sacrifices to him. Let me be clear, God is not asking us to be merciful to him. We could never be merciful to God. We are in no position of power. We are in no position of of authority over God. What he is asking from us in that passage is that we show mercy to others. He's reminding us that mercy is the expectation of God for our individual lives. Why would the great God of the universe want to see our lives filled with mercy even over sacrifice? And the answer is, It's because mercy makes a difference. Mercy makes a difference in the life of the person that you extend mercy to. In our passage, it is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. Do you realize who Paul is? Paul is the Paul who wrote 30% of the New Testament. A full 13 or 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament were written by Paul. Paul is the Paul who started directly or indirectly 20 different churches. It's the Paul who wrote the book of Romans, which is central to our understanding of righteousness, not by works, but by faith. It's the book of Romans that Paul wrote that sparked the Protestant Reformation, without which this very church wouldn't be here today. It's Paul, the Paul who is one of the central figures of the Christian faith. I am thankful for Paul. But who is this giant of the faith thankful for? He's thankful for a guy named Anisiphorus, a man on whom Scripture gives very little information. Here's what we know about Anisiphorus we know that he extended mercy to Paul in Ephesus and Rome. That's it. That's all we know about Anisiphorus. I want to take a moment to remind you that all scripture is God-breathed. A relative nobody under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit merits mention in the Holy Scriptures. Why? Because as an extension of God's mercy, he left an imprint on Paul's life. We remember the names of those who've been an extension of God's mercy to us. Because mercy makes a difference in the life of the one to whom we extend mercy. There's a couple of other names. Hermogenes. Phygelus that are in this passage. Uh, 
they aren't remembered for so great things. They're remembered, but they're remembered for abandoning Paul. I don't want to be a Hermogenes. I don't want to be a Phygelus. I want to be an Anisiphorus. I want to make a mark with mercy. If scripture were still being written today, I would want to be someone that they wrote about. Make me an Anisiphorus. Or better yet, make me a Will Esler or a Murray Gossett or a Danny Byers or a David Segovia because those are much easier to pronounce. Mercy makes a difference in the life of the one receiving mercy. Mercy makes a difference not only in the life of the one receiving mercy, mercy makes a difference in the life of the family that you have who sees you act in mercy. The message translates part of this passage as, but God bless Anisiphorus and his family. Many times I have been refreshed in that house. Paul is saying, hey, I've been blessed by Anisiphorus, and you know what? I recognize that I've been blessed by his family. Whenever I spent time in Anisiphorus' house, I was blessed being in that house by Anisiphorus and by all of his family. So I want to make sure that God bless Anisiphorus and bless all of his children and bless all of his family. Mercy makes a mark, not only on the person receiving mercy, but on the family of the one giving mercy. As our families see mercy lived out, they learn to live out mercy themselves. More is caught than taught. We have a few unwritten rules in our house. Rules that... I never wrote down, they're not written down anywhere. I don't think I ever even said, this is the rule in our house. One of those rules is no one walks to the car alone. I don't know why. It doesn't matter if you are six foot six and packing enough heat to take care of yourself. It doesn't matter if it's daytime or nighttime. When you leave my home, someone will walk you to your car. You could be the tallest person that anyone has ever met, and my five-foot-four daughter might be the one walking you to your car. Someone's going to walk you to your car when you leave my house. Why? Why is that a rule? I don't know. Did I ever say, this is the rule? I I don't think I ever did. But my kids have always seen me walk our guests to their car every time. And now it's just a habit. And my kids know when someone's leaving, if I'm busy, someone's going to take the opportunity to walk people to their car. And I guarantee you, when my kids have kids of their own, there won't ever be a rule written in stone, but they will see it lived out and they will walk people to the car. And there will be generations of people walking people to flying cars Because our families learn from what we do. Another one of those rules is whenever I go to the car 
I do my best to get to the car before my wife and I open her door. I've opened my wife's car door for years. My wife can do it on her own, but I've done it for years. And I remember once we were leaving the house and this was one of those rare occasions when I was the last one to exit the house. Typically, I'm the first, which is good for me, but not great when I'm trying to show mercy because then if the, uh, if the family's taking too long, I tend to lean on the horn a little bit and until they all come out. But this time, I was running last. And I walk out, and I'm trying to get to the car before my wife gets to the handle of her door. And as I turn the corner, I see one of my sons opening the car door for his mother. Ladies, my sons are good ones. But that's just... He was opening the car door for his mother. I thought, I've never said that you have to do that. But they saw it lived out and have decided to live it out on their own. Whether it's my mom or my daughter or the grandparents, someone is opening the car door for them. As a matter of fact, one of my, my, one of my sons said, I, I was going to lunch with a friend and she was driving and I walked over to open her car door and she's like, what are you doing? And I opened her door and she's like, no one has ever opened my car door for me before. But he lived it out. Because he saw it. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I want my family to leave their mark in this world. Will my children ever be famous? Probably not. There's probably a greater chance of them being infamous than famous. No, I'm kidding. Will my children ever be famous? Probably not. Will they ever invent anything that changes the world? Probably not. Will any of my children ever be president of the United States? Maybe, but probably not. But I am in a position to teach them something that impacts their world by teaching them what it looks like to live as an extension of God's mercy. Mercy makes a difference. In the lives of those receiving mercy, mercy makes a difference. In the lives of our families, as they see mercy lived out. But mercy also makes a difference in our lives. When we become extensions of God's mercy, we also become recipients of God's mercy. We know the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they shall receive mercy. When we give mercy... We place ourselves in a position to receive mercy from God. We position ourselves to receive the very thing we offer to others by the very one who calls us to be merciful. And here's what I know. 
when we position ourselves to receive mercy from God because we've given mercy to others, the truth is we can't outgive God. There's a pretty well-known Spanish Christian poet, Juan Romero, and he wrote a poem in which one line says, No se puede ganarle a Dios cuando se trata de dar. I'm going to let you look that up on your Google phone. No, I'm kidding. That line translated is, you can't beat God when it comes to giving. As I scoop mercy out to others by the spoonful, I am positioning myself to receive mercy from God by the shovelful. Luke chapter 6 verses 37 and 38 says this, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be put in your lap. For the measure you use, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I've heard this scripture lots of times in the context of giving. But that's not the real context of this verse. Do I believe that God blesses us as we give sacrificially? Absolutely. But the context of this verse has nothing to do with giving financially to God. The context of this verse is actually in the context of extending mercy. Don't judge. Don't condemn. Forgive. All of these are extensions of God's mercy. And when we show mercy, it comes back to us. How does it come back to us? Good measure. The lover's translation of that would be abundantly. Press down. You ever press down something to make room for a little bit more? You do it when you pack for a trip. I know you do. You push all that clothes down to make room for those last couple of outfits, and then you can zip close your press down. The Lopez translation of that is also abundantly shaken together. Have you ever put a powder or whatever in a cup and then shaken it so you can fit a little bit more? The Lopez translation of shaken is also abundantly. Pressed down, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and then running over, you will not guess what the Lopez translation of that is. It's also abundantly. So when we extend ourselves in mercy, here's what God does. He gives us mercy abundantly, 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 abundantly. Again, we give it out in spoonfuls, and he gives it back to us in shovelfuls. And look where he puts it. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be placed in your lap? It's not even something we have to work for. God gives it to us in our laps. I need God's mercy. We need God's mercy. And the reason I need God's mercy and the reason we need God's mercy is, as Pope John Paul II said, 
apart from the mercy of God, there is no hope for mankind. We need mercy. Because mercy makes a difference. Mercy makes a difference in my life. Mercy makes a difference in the life of my family as they see mercy lived out. And mercy makes a difference in the life of those who are on the receiving end of the extension of our mercy. But what do we do with that? What does God require of us in that? It's a question that Hosea also answers. He wrote, what does God require of you, O man? And the answer is to act justly. Love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This week, I want you to spend some time with your eyes and your hearts open. I want you to think, whose life can I impact by being an extension of God's mercy today? Where can I extend mercy? I want you to ask, how can I walk in kindness, compassion, respect, and a spirit of forgiveness? I challenge you. Put this idea of being an extension of God's mercy into practice. Maybe it's into practice with your children who can get on your very last nerve sometime. You think it gets better, but even as they get older, I'm sure they can get on your last nerve. I'm sure because I have older children of my own. And I'm the older, an older child of my mother, and I'm sure every once in a while she gets irritated. Maybe it's extending God's mercy to that waitress who gets your order wrong. Maybe it's extending God's mercy to the guy who cuts you off in traffic. Maybe it's extending God's mercy to that coworker who jumps on your last nerve. Or if you're retired and spend 24 hours a day with your spouse, maybe it's extending mercy to them. Imagine what First Presbyterian Church would look like if we all became flesh and blood extensions of God's mercy. Imagine what Amarillo would look like if we all became flesh and blood extensions of God's mercy. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. And we recognize that we are not always merciful. While we have received bountifully of your mercy, sometimes we fail to give it to others. I pray that you would change us and transform us. I pray that you would challenge us to live as flesh and blood extensions of your mercy. In the name of Jesus, amen.